we become like the thing we worship. Adventure Through the Bible podcast. My name is Matt. Joining me today is Tracy. Good morning. And Karen. Yes. And Eric. Hey, Matt. I love changing it up just to see if you guys are paying attention. We should pray. Did we pray? We did pray. We did pray. I just Jeez. did. All right, I where, were you, where were you, Karen? I mean, I totally prayed. Yeah, no, I did. <laughs> For our listeners, just we, we pray every every. Uh, time just before we start. Uh, oh, that's podcast, right. I so. had to mute it and blow my nose. That's what it was. <laughs> it's Karen's turn to be snotty and gross. She's going to set the trumpet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that'll be relevant when we get there. <laughs> Maybe it'd be good just to just jump right in now, huh? You might need to explain <laughs> that. Yeah, okay. So perfect segue. Good job, Tracy. This morning, <laughs> like, well, how am I gonna how am I gonna open this one today? I have an idea. It's all it's all taken care of. Thanks to Karen's snotty nose. Thank you. You're Karen. welcome. <laughs> and, and and Tracy's quick wit. So we are talking about Hosea. We are starting. Uh, we are continuing the book of Hosea, I should say, and um, we're reading chapters um, eight through fourteen. And the way <laughs> the very first. The very first verse in Hosea 8 is set the trumpet to your mouth. So, uh, so we, Karen, don't set it to your nose. That would make for a <laughs> trumpet. <laughs> in this case, Karen is the trumpet. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but yeah, so it, it begins set the trumpet to your mouth. And this is considered as a warning signal. From what I was reading about this, that uh, of course, you know, I mean, we've probably have seen the stories, seen the movies and whatnot. When when uh, the enemy is coming, somebody blows the trumpet to warn everybody. It's kind of like the air raid siren, or, you know, th- something an like alarm. that. Was that an alarm? Yeah, it's an alarm. It's an alarm letting people know that there's trouble coming. And this is this is like the they're, what they're saying is, hey, understand there is trouble coming. There is something happening. And. It's not going to be. It's not going to be good. Something. So you better get ready for it. And uh, so, in verse two, it goes right on and talking about how Israel is claiming that they know God. How does it put it? it says, uh, "My God, we know you." But then the very next sentence is that they have rejected the good. So that's kind of where a lot of this first chapter specifically um, begins with is this idea that Israel has thought. Oh, hey, we got it all going good. We have, you know, we've got God on our side, but yet God is saying, nope, nope, you've re- you've rejected, you've rejected me. You've rejected you, everything. I think that too, with, with the, the setting of the trump right there, it also says who's coming. Mm-hmm. He shall come like an eagle. And the eagle that I was reading was referring to the king of Assyria. So mm-hmm. he gives, hey, here's the warning. Here's who's coming to get you. You know, and... It's because you rebelled against my law. Isn't it interesting? And we've, of course, we've been reading about this a lot through through the entire course of the podcast. But it's so interesting that people can think so adamantly that they have God on their side when it's observable that they have 
not followed the directions, the precepts that God has given them, that they are, I mean, in, in a lot of cases from what we're reading here, it's like they're not even really worshiping God. You know, we, we're going to read a lot about where we have read this week, but through the uh, course of the Bible, we've read so much about all of the idolatry that they have that they have done, all of the different gods that they've been that they've been worshiping and and raising up. And yet they still think somehow that they are in God's favor. Yeah, I think that's a I think in a nutshell, what Matt just said encapsulates most of the minor prophets as well as a large portion of Isaiah. And this is really important because this theme is echoed in Revelation. Is Remember when God is calling the people in Revelation to, hey, wake up, pay attention. He's talking to people in the church. There's a false church and there's a true church. It's, it's easy just to think, well, that was all those people because they don't, they don't claim Jesus. And it's like Jesus is talking to people. He had the harshest words for the people who were the most religious. We, just, we really have to pay attention to that. And it is. It, it makes it a little bit complicated because we can't just look around and say, well, who's wearing the T-shirt that says I'm with God? You know, because everyone's claiming that. And yet their behavior and if you look at what God asked them to do, they're not doing what God said to do. They're doing what they said to do, what they wanted to do, and then they put God's name on it. Do you remember when we read in Amos the part about where where he was using a plumb line on his people? Mm -hmm. So my dad was a, a carpenter to put himself through the seminary. And because he had those kind of skills, wherever we went, we would buy like a small house on a nice piece of property. And then we would sort of bust the walls out and made it how we how we wanted. So I grew up like swinging a hammer and, you know, learning how to space studs out 16 inches. And you know what I mean? Like that's some of my earliest memories are trying really, really, really hard and being really happy when I got my first 16 penny nail to go in. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so. This visual that we read in Amos, first of all, this we're seeing it in Hosea, so that's my point. But this this image of a plumb line, where God holds up a plumb line to his people and says, there it is. Now you can see, like, I am the standard. What I say is the standard, and you're off. You're crooked. You're leaning this way. You're leaning that way, whatever. And I believe that that is as true today as it was then. But I actually had that visual several times reading through these chapters for this week of God just holding up a plumb line and going, nope, you're off. You're off. We got to fix it. Yeah. And, you know, that part there, we got to fix it. That's the, that's the interesting part of this, too, because there's a lot of there's lots of talk of punishment. There's a lots of talk of, of destruction and this and that and the <laughs> other thing, you know. And if we were to think that God was just sitting there waiting for a chance to smite just waiting for a chance to squash them. Uh, that paints a very different picture of God than what is really trying to be shown in the Bible, where the, the reality of it is that God wants to correct, wants yes. to wants to redirect, wants to just bring us in line with the way he's created the universe to go. Uh, and uh, we've done it. It's, mankind has done this interesting thing. I, I blame it on man, but I suppose... Uh, we could place a lot of the blame on Satan as well, but done this very interesting 
good job of painting a bad picture of God as this uh, just retribution. Uh, re- is that a word? Retributive. Retrib- <laughs> I don't think it's a real word. That's why I'm. That's why I'm. That's why I'm struggling here. So just full of retribution, just wanting, wanting to just squash us because we're bad, you know. Uh, created us to be a certain way, and then when we didn't go that way, it's like, ah, well, whatever, squish, you know. And and that's not that's not the case here. No. Even a lot of the, the the language, if you just read it at its surface without context, could make it sound that way. Right. But the whole book of Hosea, if we take it together, is he saying, don't do this. It will be to your harm. Don't do this. It will be to your harm. And we've read other places where the same people were saying, no, go prophesy somewhere else. Don't tell us this stuff. We don't want to change. Mm -hmm. You know, and as we get as we get through here, God is basically saying this. Okay, so to this point in Hosea 8, 7, for they sow the wind they will reap the whirlwind. I mean, that's just obviously the, the core of many a Western movie. But uh, the point here is that like, you, you will reap what you're sowing. And what you're doing, it isn't God being arbitrary saying, well, because you didn't follow me, I'm going to smite you. Is he saying the results of what you're doing will be disastrous. Mm-hmm. There's a big, big difference. You know, it's the don't play in the street because it's dangerous for you. Versus I will punish you just because, you know, I saw you doing that. It's like God saying, you know, a, 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 car, a car coming by will punish you if you're playing in the street. Not me. And he's saying here in Hosea, look, you sowed the wind. You're going to reap the whirlwind. You will get what you sow. And as we as we go through uh, t- today's reading there, and if you really want to go through and put two columns, what are they doing that actually obeys God? And what are they doing that is um, sowing the wind? You know, the sowing the wind is it is oh, it's all kinds of stuff. Chapter 10 is basically full of all the things that they're doing that are just pretty awful. Chapter 12, I mean, sorry, verse 12, he, God says, write a right for him my laws by 10,000s. He would be regarded as a strange thing. Basically, like if I told you 10,000 times to stop it, you'd look and go, what? What are you talking about? Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Verse 12 there, it talks about how um says, uh, I have written for him the great things of my law, but they were considered a strange thing. So isn't that interesting? Seeing something that's so something put right in your face. It's like right in front of you. Here is a good thing. And you look at that and go, I have no idea what you're talking about. What is that? Right. And the text, I didn't make that up. I mean, it says in verse 12, 10,000 times. Literally, that's what he's saying. It's like, look, I could I could do this for you 10,000 times. And you still look at it and go like, yeah, I didn't hear you. Mm-hmm. And God is saying, look, I am trying. I am trying. Yeah. Now, an important distinction here is in verse 13. As for my sacrificial offerings, they sacrifice meat and eat it, but the Lord does not accept them. So they've got this idea that, well, hey, as long as we're doing some form of religion and we say it's in honor of God, good enough. Mm -hmm. This goes way back to Cain and Abel, the very first sacrifice. It's like, look, I might not be doing it your way, but, you know, I mean, I'm saying it's for you. So you you need to accept it. And God has said from the very, very beginning, no. 
actually there's a right way and a wrong way and it matters which way you do it and it's played out we see it they're they're dancing remember we, we talked about this in a way earlier episode they're dancing around the first golden calf at the foot of mount sinai and they say it is a festival to the lord they're not saying that they're worshiping a foreign idol they claim that they're worshiping the god that took them out of egypt so we have to really be careful with just sticking our own label on our own thing and then saying, yes, this is God approved. No, we need to look for the things that are God approved for them to be God approved and um, worship in our own way right here. We're reading it in Hosea, but the Lord does not accept them. So putting our own outward ceremony on things without actual repentance doesn't work. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, yesterday, I was looking in a, a Bible study. It's called Present Truth in Deuteronomy. You guys will recognize this, I'm sure. But um, there was a, a phrase here at the bottom of one of the uh, studies here. It says, though we sometimes hear people rail against organized religion, what would they prefer? Disorganized religion instead? The Word of God, especially the New Testament, acknowledges no other kind but an organized one. So the idea that just this idea that we can do what we want in a religious context and think that it's going to be accepted by God uh, is kind of ridiculous because, because we've seen over and over where God has given specific instructions. He's given specific, I don't know, mandates. You want to call it a mandate? But this is the way things have to work. This is the way I've made the universe. This is the way this is the way stuff is structured. And if you try to step outside of it and you try to do the, your own thing, you're just working against all of it. You're working. You're not working. You're certainly not working with it. And, and so it's got to be corrected. I think that's what we've learned, too, from just our continued journey through the Bible is that we do serve a God of order and organization and structure, just like you're saying. And there there is no chaos or ram randomness to what he's doing he set this he set his plan out in front of um israel the whole entire time it was just their responsibility to follow it and they didn't at certain points in time yeah so that chapter it it ends uh well let's see the last note i have in there is verse 14 saying how israel has forgotten his maker and that got me thinking it made me jump forward way into uh, revelation 14 verses uh verses six and seven fear god and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth the sea and springs of water uh so forgetting forgetting our maker um sounds like it's been a problem for a long time it's going to be a problem for a while until until god's return and so it's something that we have to remember. This is who made us. This is who created us. This is the one who uh, he sustains us. And and this is the only one that's worthy of our worship. Chapter nine, we get into now uh, the, the title of the beginning of it is judgment of Israel's sin. And verse verse one, do not rejoice for you've played the harlot. It's like, don't. It's like, why are you why are you celebrating? Why? Why? What have you done? You haven't done anything worth patting yourself on the back for. But yet you, you're so proud about you, proud of yourself. There's really nothing there to be proud about because you haven't, you haven't been faithful. 
you know, you haven't really shown any any indication that you truly are wanting to follow God. I mean, when you call when God starts ta- calling uh, someone a harlot, um, that's because they're they're going out and being with whoever whoever will take them, basically. But so they get what they want. And again, yeah. this is this is imagery we see in Revelation too. Mm-hmm. Talks about says Ephraim will return to Egypt. Now I'm thinking this must be more figurative than literal because the literal is that they're literally uh, going into bondage to Assyria, uh, and I think figuratively we're talking about their bondage to sin. And but going back to Egypt, it's like going back to where you guys are just going back where you came from. You guys are you've been trying. It's like you know we've seen it since they since they left Egypt. They've been wanting. Seems like they wanted to go back for for whatever reason that certain parts of their life must were easier even though they didn't really have the freedom that they thought they wanted we've talked about how god's not going to accept their offerings that their their offerings are just empty they're uh just going through the going through the motions i can imagine here in some cases probably where their offerings aren't even really what god has asked for or how he's asked them to do it we've seen that before with some of the kings and such where um, they're just like, yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it this way, and it'll be fine. Um, like you said, Eric, or, you know, we're doing it in the name of God, so it's gonna be, it's got to be good, right? But uh, not so much. Here's not one so of the problems that, that of the why is it's not again, it's not God being arbitrary to saying, well, you know, I asked for a square one, and you gave me a round one, so smite. Mm-hmm. It's it's not like that because there is a there is a natural result to what they do it's like you know the sowing and reaping that shows up again but in uh, chapter 9 verse 10 last part uh he's talking about the the history of israel like this is a pattern they've had but they came to baal peor remember this is where they had a big falling away from god and they started worshiping um other idols and uh, they got into all kinds of trouble because they were starting to worship the gods of the land of canaan and the worship of those gods of Canaan was so detestable, that was one of the core reasons those people had been given up to destruction. And as we pointed out, God worked with them for close to 400 years to get them to stop it. They wouldn't, and God said, okay, I'm, I'm, your time's up. This is in uh, verse 10. They consecrated themselves to the thing of shame and became detestable like the thing they loved. The core in this is that we become like the thing we worship. And if we worship a God that we believe requires, in this case, human sacrifices and is arbitrary and requires, I mean, they were not put to, you know, not to hide it. I mean, they're having orgies and calling this a religious uh, worship. They're they're doing all of these things, and at the core of it, they, their belief is, is that God doesn't love them, their God hates them, and they have to appease this God. And the God of creation is saying, no, 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 to all those things. I am not like that. If you worship these other gods, you will become like them. And I think that is a principle that goes through all time. And this is why we need to be today very careful what we worship. Do we worship celebrities? Do we worship money? 
Do we worship fame and success? Do we, because that changes who we are. See, if we worship a God, like we're reading about in Hosea here, who's going to any length to basically humiliate himself, to draw people back to him and to forgiveness, that's very, very different than a God hovering over the smite button. Because if we believe that God is the kind of God who is into retribution, who is into you do it my way or I'm just going to smack you to kingdom come, guess what we become like? We become just like that God. And it's like, well, your skirt's too short. I'll teach you a lesson. You know, we'll get you in trouble. Oh, really? You smoked a cigarette? Well, you know, it's straight off to hell for you because we become like that God that we worship, right? And if we have an incorrect picture of God, our behavior, our worship, our character gets skewed also, which is why it's super important for us to be careful that we're seeing God for who God is, not God for who we think or want him to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's just a couple spots here in Hosea 9 where it really talks about kind of how how far they have fallen. You know, verse 9 says they're deeply corrupted, corrupted as in the days of Gibeah. You guys remember what happened in Gibeah? Judges 19. This is, was, that this the, is, was that the moldy bread incident? No. no. This was the Levite's concubine. Well, they cut apart oh, and shipped right. all over Ugh. the place. Mm-hmm. They were where... so far into debauchery. They, did, 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 they weren't even aware of it. They weren't even awake of it. They're like, meh, that's just how we roll. Yeah. Yeah. So there was that. And talking about Baal Peor, you remember what happened to Baal Peor? This is where the they were taking Moabite women, and one guy specifically kind of flaunted his woman, and they walked into the tent together to go do what guys and gals might do in a tent. And uh, Shinnem too, wasn't that Phineas? Yep, that yep. pinned them both to the ground. Exactly, and that's where exactly. the Levites became the the um um. You know what? Uh, now I just lost my train of thought. Well, outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this, we're named priest. Yeah. yeah, and this but, is yeah. really important because the things that Matt's pointing out here, these are times when they intentionally said, Oh yeah, well, you said to do this, watch me do the other thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially especially Baal Peor, where it's like, do not go take the mobile women and like, hey, look at me, I'm taking my mobile woman. What are you gonna do about it? And Finney tell like, I'll tell you what I'm gonna do about it. Squid, you know, stab runs them through in their in their tent and and you know st- stops a plague because of it but so i mean that's just a that's 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 the comparison that israel at this time is being is being made the the, the comparison is being made to to them at those times some of their lowest times and god is saying you guys are just as bad now you're just as bad you just keep doing all the things that i said not to do yeah, and so it makes me go back to where we started. It's like, how in the world do you feel like you're actually following God when you are doing these things? It's it it's kind of amazing. And you know, it's it's kind of thing that makes me hope hope that I'm not in a spot in my life where I think I'm following right. God and think I'm doing everything he wants me to do or and but and uh actually doing the opposite. 
I'm telling you, the more we read in the Old Testament while watching society do weird things around us, the more mm-hmm. I worry about like that. Like, how do I how do I make sure I'm I don't get this blind? How do I make sure I'm not already this blind? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, oof. Yeah. Well, if I if I if I may, Karen, you were talking about uh, a client and stop me if I shouldn't talk about that. I don't know. But um, with apparently multiple personalities mm-hmm. and one, you know, it's questionable if one is even aware of the other, you know, and well, aware. Just... Yes. Aware. Yes. Because they're making intentional shifts to protect the other one from this, that or the other thing. The, mm. the question wasn't, were they aware? The question was, were they aware of, of the details of communication that that other one had stepped forward to handle? Mm. Yeah. Like, so, so primary person checks out because they can't handle what's happening. Secondary mm-hmm. personality checks in because this is their specialty. But like, I need to talk to the first one. So if I communicate that to the second one, does the information go through? That was the question. Okay. So, yeah, I was trying to make a comparison there. And maybe it's a bad comparison of just, you know, where you you think you think you're doing one thing, but you're actually not. Right. You know, because because maybe, well, I don't know, like I said, kind of a bad analogy. But, I mean, the Bible addresses this in, in, in multiple ways. First of all, there's the very famous text. Not all who say to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom, right? In that day, people will say to me, but didn't we do these and these and these things in your name? And I will tell them, get away from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you, right? So like we're talking, we're talking about the second coming there. Like there's going to be a lot of people who they're pretty sure they're in. Right. And they're not. So how do I make sure I'm not that blind? Like we're reading generation after generation after generation of people who are willing to put their nose in the air and say, we're God's chosen people. Well, they make a golden calf and bow down to it. Well, they carve an image and bow down to it. Well, they do exactly what God and uh, their prophets tell them not to. Yeah, you know, I think we could even take that a, a step farther because that that very verse that you were talking about, Karen, if you mm. continue to read it, it says those who work lawlessness. Right. I think, too, that's going against exactly God's laws. Mm. And I think that puts them in that position, you know, exactly as what we're seeing here and what all the, the prophets are saying is like you go contrary to that. It's not going to work out for you. Yeah, we, let's move on to chapter 10, because chapter 10 yeah. kind of gets to the, it echoes this stuff. And I hope that uh, our listeners realize that God is repeating these themes so that we get it. Is It's maybe the first or second or third. Maybe Amos didn't speak to us. Maybe Obadiah didn't really open our eyes. Maybe Isaiah was a little bit like we're getting a fuzzy picture. But maybe by the time we get Hosea, we're like, oh, oh, I get it. And then things click because and I love the way the book of Hosea ends God is into this not for the purpose of punishing but for the purpose of turning us around and getting us headed in the right direction it's not for our destruction that he's doing this is it's for our restoration that he's doing it did you guys notice that in this second half of the book there was not a single bit of the story of Hosea and Gomer yep like the yeah. illustration was already drawn, and now we're going to draw this illustration out wider so that it covers everyone. So now that I've shown you how ludicrous 
your behavior looks at the level of husband and wife where you can see it and how weirdly benevolent God's behavior looks at the level of husband and wife where you can see it. Now we're going to draw this illustration out to the point where it actually matters, which is humans relationship with God. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Mm -hmm. I was looking for a happy ending. Like I'm totally into these romance novels. I don't know. There wasn't one. It was just, it just went wider. Yeah. Well, we know we we already know that that uh, that Israel just kind of disappears at some point here, and they've been told this. They've been told this for a very long time. They've been being told this through many many kings, and um, they haven't been listening. You know, yeah. so it's it's not a happy ending for them. It's not. Oh, so yeah, chapter ten. It begins with talking about how Israel's used their prosperity to promote idolatry. Or at least that was the way I, I was reading that. Rather rather than rather than promoting the principles that God has has given them, uh, rather than sharing with the world the things that God has done for them, they have been they have been just taking on all the all the garbage from around them and taking on all those all those foreign gods. And I mean, in some cases, it was like you know when they make the uh, the calf. You know, kind of making their own thing, saying it's God, but it's not. Their their loyalty is divided. Verse two kind of made it clear. I think that uh, they're they're they've been they've been dividing their loyalty between God and idolatry, and still feeling somehow like this was a true religion. Very baffling. Very baffling to me. How. I mean, these are people who were given the Ten Commandments. They carried them around. I say these people. Of course, this is a this is a generation or there's few generations, several generations down the road, but they still have those commandments. They have the original commandments written by God that says not to make idols, and they're doing it. They're still doing it anyway. It's uh, it's just baffling to me. So as as it goes down there, yeah, chapter ten just goes down. It's more of the same. It's you're being, you know, because you did X, Y, and Z, and it's specific. We can go back and look at the illusions that it's talking about. You're going to be punished. And in verse eight, there's a very interesting phrase at the very end. They've done all mm -hmm. this false worship. They've done all these things. And it says, and they say to the mountains, cover us, and the hills fall on us. This is kind of in their moment of judgment. Yeah. That phrase shows up, Jesus quotes it yep. in Luke 23, 30, right at his crucifixion. You're like, oh, you think it's bad for me now? You're sorry for me? I'm sorry for you. And they're all like, what? You're sorry for us? He's like, yeah. You're going to be saying in the future, cover us, let the hills fall on us. You look at Luke 23, 30. It's mm -hmm. quoted straight out in Revelation yeah. 6, 16. Yep. And it is in the context of the second coming. Now, again, how do we unpack Revelation? Well, let's look at Hosea, because the, the Old Testament really opens up the, the doors and windows on this. And then in Revelation, just like Matt, Matt just now referred to, um, to Gibeah, right? If we hadn't talked about what happened in Gibeah, we'd be like, oh, God, I don't get it. Just read right on. Yeah. But if you know what happens, you're like, oh, that's, that's ugly, right? And when we read in Revelation 6.16 that at the second coming, people will say, oh, cover us, let the rocks fall on us. Wait a minute. Here in Hosea, we're talking about a people who claimed to follow God, 
who said they were doing what, you know, everything that they did in God's name, very much like Matthew 7. Hey, Lord, didn't we, uh, I thought we were doing this. We, we put your name on it. Doesn't that make it good? And he's like, nope, that does not make it okay. And it's similarly quoted in Isaiah 2.18, where people eventually, they just, they cast off their idols. They're like, oh yeah, whoops. Okay, so we're done with these things. We were pretending they were working for us, but they're not. All of those things are a metaphor for the for the self, the realization and self-condemnation that shows up on people when they, when now they, they knew the truth. We've been talking like, how did they not know? They knew. Mm-hmm. They knew, right? They said that what they were doing was okay to make each other feel good, but they knew. And when God finally shows up, second coming, uh, the destruction from Assyria, they know what they're doing. And they're like, oh, no, you know, let, let the rocks in, bury me in an avalanche. That's better than the having to face the justice I know is due to me. Verse 11 stuck out to me how they, they're compared. He said, Ephraim is a strained heifer that loves to thresh grain. Now, if, you know, on the surface of that, it's like, oh, he's calling him a cow. Well, no, that's not really the point here. This is talking about the way that they would train uh, these animals to work. And the easy the easy thing that they could do would be to put this cow um, on the threshing floor and they would get to walk around and as they're walking they're 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 threshing the grain you know they're getting the 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 seeds apart from the from the chaff as you will but easy because they get to they get to eat some of it you know they're they're kind of they're kind of going along and sort of doing their thing um but it talks about how God is gonna I think I think it was talking about how he's gonna yoke them differently but they're going to get they are about to get trained a little more strenuously they've had they've had it easy it it should have been an easy job and um and god is going to is going to is going to put them through something a little more strenuous now uh by uh and of course this is by taking them away from the situation they're in it's not going to be not going to be so easy for them now so verse 12 and 13 Mm-hmm. Ah, yes. If I you think, were going to read it, I was. I just had my finger right on it. What, I can what, hear the page what, just flipping. Let's let's do. Karen, you read it. I think as we listen to this, this these two verses basically summarize everything. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Okay. So righteousness for yourselves. Reap the fruit of unfailing love, and break up your unplowed ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. But you have planted wickedness. You have reaped evil. You have eaten the fruit of deception because you have depended on your own strength and on your many warriors. Mm -hmm. It's God's way or your own way. And again, we'll point out that this is God saying, hey, turn around, do this the right way. And again, there's a, there's a there's a metaphor here. Is it's the planting, sowing, and reaping? You know, you will reap what you sow. Well, and I would take that a level higher and, and repeat what we said earlier. You sow the wind, and you reap the whirlwind. You sow within God's will. You reap far more than you sowed. And the same with evil. Like it is, it is a whirlwind that comes back. Like you throw one bag of seed out, you're going to get ten back of whatever this thing is that you just threw out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the everything they've been doing has just been bringing them trouble. They just because they keep they keep going their own way. 
like we keep saying and it's been it's been a constant theme ever since ever since they left Egypt but look at the look at the flip side of that those first two lines of verse 12 sow righteousness for yourselves and reap the fruit of unfailing love that is a much bigger harvest Mm -hmm. that's marvelous Mm -hmm. yeah and that that is showing that's really showing what God wants for them, wants for us, has always wanted for them and for us, uh, is that he He wants us to follow the ways that he set out before us, in front of us, so that at the other end, we come out ahead. Uh, and unfortunately, well, too often, I mean, we all do it, but unfortunately, we try to go our own way. We just say, no, nah, I, th- I think I like this right now or whatever. And and we see society thinking that, well, you know, uh, my myself is more important. My feelings are more important. You know, this thing that I've decided for myself is more important. And uh, it's not it's not it's not doing well. It's not doing well for society. People don't always realize it. But that's why I think God here had to step in. He had to step into Israel and remove them from the situation or they were just going to keep spiraling down and down and down. Uh, and, and sometimes that's the only way that you can stop uh, a child from spiraling down and down and down is just to remove them from the situation. You can't just sit back and keep saying, no, 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 stop, no. <laughs> you know, you see people do that with their children. You see people do that with their pets, too. You, you know, you you have to, you comes a point where you have to say, no, we're going to take you away from that. We're taking the thing away. It, I'm not going to let it destroy you anymore, and and uh, that's what's happening here with God. He's like, no, I can't, I can't continue to just watch you spiral down the drain. Yep, and we see God reaching out. This continues. Chapter eleven's got some pretty cool stuff. Do you want to go there? Yeah. yeah, let's go to eleven. Um, in verses three and four, and eight and nine are some really cool. Um, Verses that talk about how much God really wants them to come back. He does not want their destruction. We could read the Old Testament and say, well, God just wanted to pay, punish people. No, he, he wants to bless them. He wants good. And verses 3 and 4 and 8 and 9 um, kind of lean into that. Mm-hmm, yeah, verse 3 starts out in verse 3 there. I taught him how to walk. I taught you how to walk. <laughs> Any any parent can remember this uh, of seeing their child take those first steps, and you're, you know, he ta- even the even here talks about how I took them by the arms, you know, and I and I guided them along as they were taking those steps, and and I taught you how to walk. See if when you when if a child stops and it happens all the time happens to all of us all of our kids we've done it to our parents too but when you see your kids you know they start tired wanting to test the waters and go their own ways and you're just remembering oh man i taught you how to walk i taught you how to i taught you how to feed yourself i taught you how to stop pooping your pants well i guess you don't teach them that but you do i mean you you know you do the toilet training and whatnot and it's like i've i i've I brought you up from this infancy and and tried to get you into being in a state of responsible, productive adulthood and seeing them then instead wasting their time, 
having self-destructive behavior it's it's so hard and it's and you you don't stop loving them you don't stop caring for them it's like i just want to help you i would help you if i could i would help you if you would let me yeah um, and that's that's chapter that's verse eight uh-huh. it's like how can i give you up oh ephraim yeah how can i hand you over He's, yeah he wants to not do this and, and nine i will not execute my burning anger i will not again destroy ephraim for i am god and not a man mm-hmm. he's he's saying look i'm above this but ultimately i mean we've talked about this earlier they get what they want and in verse seven he god says my people are bent on turning away from me and that's a, that's an important thing we see this in the old testament we see it in the new testament we're like oh man as soon as you sin it's like oh it's all over when when god talks about our sinning and his his finally saying you know i'm just gonna let you have your own way it is in this context where my, my translation says my people are bent on turning away from me and in other places in other places in the New Testament, says you who continually seek this, you know, wrong path, you persist in doing wrong. This is will. This isn't a mistake, right? This isn't like we're we're driving down. I don't know if, how many of you have done this. You're driving somewhere, and your spouse or friend is navigating, and they're like, "Oh, you missed the left turn." You're like, well, "You should have told me." And there's this little this like it was an accident, right? We didn't mean to do that. We loop back. Yeah, there are sins like this that, that we do regularly like oh i did not mean to offend that person didn't mean to hurt them didn't mean to do that wrong thing that's not what god's talking about he's like hey admit it repent turn around you know you missed the left turn it's okay we'll we'll get back to it right he's talking about persistence in doing the wrong thing i remember i had a conversation with somebody in church one time and i said hey man i just want to know that i'm praying with you as you struggle with sin and i'll give this guy props for his honesty he said i'm not struggling with sin I'm okay with it. (laughs) (laughs) That's the kind of thing that God's talking about here. He's like, when you've become okay with it, we have a problem. Yeah. You know, like you said, missing the turn. If you miss a turn and go, ah, I'm just gonna keep going this way anyway. You know, your, your chances of getting where you intended to go, wanted to go pretty slim. And they get I'm traveling. Can't I just through blind persistence just make myself get there? And that's yeah. a great metaphor because the further you go, the more exits you miss, the more times you're said, hey, where you wanted to be was back there. Like, nah, I think I'm just going to keep on rolling this way. Yeah. It just makes it harder and hard, not impossible, but it makes it harder and harder and harder the farther we go. And that's what Israel is doing. And God is right here in Hosea. The fact that we're reading it in Hosea is God reaching out to them saying, hey, turn around. Yeah, and then the end of the chapter, it's a kind of, it's one of those breaks in the chapter where you're kind of like, why didn't you just start the chapter verse earlier or something? But um, <laughs> uh, verse 12, it it ends with, the, the chapter ends with basically saying that Ephraim or slash this, this current incarnation of what they're calling Israel has not been faithful, but Judah has. And... We start seeing some um, some differentiation of the way God is going to treat, not treat, deal with what He's now calling Ephraim. That's been an interesting shift for God to start calling them Ephraim instead of Israel. But it's it's 
because it seems like a lot of times when he's still talking, when God is talking about Israel, he's still talking about all 12 tribes. And so by him specifying Ephraim, and I haven't quite figured out why Ephraim, uh, and I don't know, that's sort of a, just an aside here. I don't know. But, um, but talking about how Ephraim. It was, a, there was the first verse of chapter 13 made, I, I thought the same thing, but the first verse of chapter 13, I wondered if it was like a local thing that the tribes would have known because chapter 13 verse 1 says when Ephraim spoke people trembled he was exalted in Israel but he became guilty of Baal worship and died so I wondered if there was some kind of like a more local reference where yeah that that's all I could come up with that was my only clue I had that same question yeah well and just because you know Judah it sort of makes sense that Judah became the name of that that second kingdom that other kingdom because they were kind of the dominant tribe uh, where so just I'm thinking was was Ephraim the dominant tribe here? I don't know. Karen? Yeah. Um, did you guys notice in chapter 12, verse verse eight, there was. Oh, dear. This just smacks of human corruption, just like just plain old human corruption says Ephraim boasts. I am very rich. I have become wealthy with all my wealth. They will not find in me any iniquity or sin. <laughs> what? I would swear those are two different things, but right. There's this, there's this, there's this thing where humans just like, oh, well, that person is successful. Surely they're not doing anything wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. Or like the book of revelation. I am rich and increased in goods and have need of nothing. Okay. So yeah. she's reading, Karen is referencing revelation three seventeen. Yeah. It's, this is the church. Uh, the angels, are, well, the angels are speaking to the churches in revelation and this is the church in Laodicea, Revelation 3.17. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hosea 12, it starts talking about how Ephraim feeds on the wind. And that, that brought, brought back Ecclesiastes, chasing the wind, grabbing after the wind. Uh, just the the feudal nature of all of that, um, the, 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 just that futility of of grasping at things that you really can't grasp, and here feeding on the wind. I mean, how if you go, <laughs> if you're really hungry and you go out uh, on an early spring day and and face into the wind and open your mouth and start taking bites, uh, you're not. Uh, you're not going to get much satisfaction out of that. Yeah, uh, but what they're, what they're actually saying here, I think, is a restatement of what we read in chapter 10, verse 13. Mm -hmm. um, you have planted wickedness. You have reaped evil. You have eaten the fruit of deception because yeah. you have depended on your own strength and on your many warriors. I think this is a, at least what I got out of this when I read it was sort of the sense that you're doing all of the wrong things. You're putting yeah. all of the emphasis in the wrong places for what you actually should be focused on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that fits too. You're, you're, uh, exactly. Yeah. Um, now verse two makes it clear that Judah is not getting off scot-free here. There, there is some charge against Judah as well. It's like, okay, Judah, don't think, uh, don't think you've been getting left out because, um, you you are included in some of this, and you're going to have your own things that you know, we're going to have to deal with with you. Might be dealing with Ephraim right now here today, but don't think that uh, don't think you're getting by here. 
starts pointing out specifically some stuff there about Jacob, about how he took his brother by the heel in the womb, how he struggled with God. Talking about, at least the way I'm taking this, is showing that that Jacob he was always showing even even like before he was born it seems he was showing a desire to be successful a desire to to um to succeed and find god's favor uh then this is in comparison or contrast i should say to the way israel is is behaving now where they're like rejecting everything and they don't just don't seem to care so Jacob is getting called on the carpet now. Like it doesn't in this section, it doesn't list out the his the things that. But it, but we know that he's off track because verse two says um, he will punish Jacob according to his ways and re, repay him according to his deeds. Well, it lists out this history of things that weren't necessarily bad. Like he's striving with God, begging for his favor, you know, mm-hmm. talking with God. And then in verse six, it says, but you must return to your God, maintain love and justice and wait for your God always. Mm-hmm. That reminded me of also in the book of Revelation, where the angel is talking to the seven churches saying, return to your, he tells one of the churches, like, you need to return to your first love. Like you started off good. You got off track, badly off track. Go back to your first love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that's sort of where I was sort of saying there was like Jacob, you you started out great. You started out great. You had you had these great desires to follow God and and do what He wanted, and now you're just uh, you're just not. You're just, you're not you're, you're you're not in the same place you were once upon a time. Uh, now we talked about returning. Verse six. Yes. Verse six has some uh, an interesting concept here. How did I put it? Let me read it here. Uh, so you, by the help of your God, return. Here, here again, we're getting this picture of a God who wants to help. It's like, let's go back. Like you said earlier, okay, we missed, we missed the turn. Well, we'll, we'll circle around. We'll come back. We'll get, we'll get back there. Let's, you know, let's, let's, let's get back there. I want to see you. I want to see you get to the right place. I want to see you succeed. And, and it's God himself who is going to help them return to what they should be doing, how they should be doing it. Um, to being to being productive in the universe that God has created for them. Just that idea that God wants to help you. God wants to see you succeed, uh, and He is the helper. He is the one who who's gonna uh, uh, help you get there. And sometimes, sometimes like what we're seeing with Israel, sometimes that help uh, isn't pleasant. I mean, they're going to be taken off to to Assyria. They're going to be um, you know, taken out, essentially kind of scattered around all all of this uh, wealth and power that they've accumulated is going is going to be taken away. it's It's gonna be it's gonna hurt. But it's for their good. It's for their benefit uh, in the hopes that they will pay attention and uh, and turn around and start facing the right direction again. And then so right after that, it starts talking about, um, you know, how Ephraim has had all this confidence in their own abilities. And God says, I'm going to make you dwell in tents again. Well, I mean, think about when they were dwelling in tents. It wasn't that wasn't a pleasant time. You know, where I think we're talking probably about the wandering in Israel, where it was essentially 40 years of of correction, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, who wants to go live in a tent? I don't. 
you know, I kind of like having a house. I wouldn't necessarily want to go live in a tent. You can do it for fun, but you know, all the time, mm, that, that's obviously not what, uh, that's obviously not what they have in mind for a good time. Towards the end of, of 12. Now, um, I saw what I was seeing as a comparison of Jacob to God, where he went out in search of a wife, right? And he worked really hard to get Rachel. Worked hard, hard, hard to get her, you know, and, and even when it turned out that uh, the work that he had done, he he didn't get the right wife and he was willing to do it all again. Yeah, 14 uh, years. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what that seems to me like what's happening here is God is so willing to work hard for his bride, the church, if you will. And um, that desire, that desire that he has for his church. Jacob had this desire for his wife. God has this desire for his church and he's going to work hard. He's going to work very hard to be able to bring her home. And he's be he's comparing he's comparing Israel now to this too where God went to Egypt to get Israel out and he did a lot of stuff for her. You know, lots of miracles, lots of there's a lot of hur- hurdles that they had to uh, jump over to get Israel out of Egypt. And, uh, and, uh, so that's the comparison that God is making here or that the, that the book is making here between God and, and Jacob. And so it's like, it's, I don't know, maybe it's kind of like, you guys should understand this. You should understand how hard it is. I've been working for you, how much I love you and how much I want to, to, uh, be with you. And instead you've repaid by provoking me. Yeah. And they're provoking is pretty bad we get into 13 mm-hmm. yeah uh, god is reminding them he said but you know what this is this is so not okay um not only have they been making these golden calves but put this into context every time we see this golden calf stuff here's what goes with it the end of thir- uh, 13 2 it is said of them those who offer human sacrifice give kiss calves it's like these things apparently went together, maybe not always, but they were synonymous enough that it became a saying. This this isn't, you know, it's easy to think like, oh, they just got one of the ceremonies wrong. You know, they were supposed to they were supposed to to uh, to wait seven days before they sacrificed the 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 the, uh, the black calf. And they only waited six days and they, you know, had a brown one. It's like, no, no, no. This is not some kind of minor technicality. That's a problem with their worship. This is way off the rails. See, and this shows us too that this has happened before. What king was that 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 started the to initiate again the sacrifice of his own son? Which king was that? I think we just did it like a couple of weeks ago. And wasn't it to like wasn't it Marduk or something like that? Was the god that they went after? Oh, I don't remember. There were so many bad ones. But um, that's that's what's happening. That's how yeah. far we've come. That now now we're doing human sacrifices. Yeah, led by the king. Right. This isn't some kind of outlier who's just wait. Because I mean, come on. You you can. I get a news magazine and there's a little section in there that says uh, red in the tabloids. You can find some pretty wacky outlying stuff, right? But the things that Israel is doing is this isn't just like one random citizen who does something out in the boonies and everybody goes, "Whoa, that's crazy." This is their king doing this. They're they're just from the core doing 
the wrong things. This goes way back in verse 11. He says, I gave you a king in my anger. This goes back to 1 Samuel 8, where they were rejecting God's leadership, specifically saying, no, no, no. We want to do this like everybody else. We want to do it our own way and rejecting what God had said. No, I want you to do it my way. This goes way back. Yeah. Again, it's chapter 13. And it's it's more of this comparison, what you what you were before and what you become now. Uh, verse one says you you were exalted through your humility. You used to be because you didn't because you didn't put yourself as being like the the greatest authority because um instead you showed some humility you were great uh but now to specifically you're dead because of your idolatry israel is you're dying because of uh because of your continued insistence on not worshiping the right uh, uh not worshiping God in the proper fashion, not worshiping the right God at all. And uh, yeah, so uh, and um, that's about how that you're just you're sinning more and more and you're worshiping the work of your craftsmen. You guys are you're making this stuff yourself and worshiping it. And it says you're going to be like the morning cloud. You're going to be like chaff blown from the threshing floor. You're going to be like smoke from a chimney. This is all stuff that just disappears. It just goes away. Yeah, you see it now. You see it right now. Um, it's there. But it's just gonna it's gonna disappear. It's gonna go away. And that's what you guys are gonna be like because because you've just squandered away your greatness by by thinking that you were all that, by thinking that you had everything all in a row, everything was great for you. And because of that, you're just uh, you're just gonna disappear. Verse four, this is a really good one, and it's I mean this is a this is a big theme. I think for my life, I'm just constantly trying trying to remember, you shall know no God but me, for there is no Savior besides me. If we ever think that there's some other way that we can be saved, and we talk about salvation, I mean, when we talk about salvation, we're talking about our very existence. And if we think that there's any other way that we can maintain, retain our existence apart from God, boy, are we kidding ourselves. Uh, the only reason we take our next breath is because because of in God's grace, he allows it. Uh, the only reason that we're here at all is because in God's grace, he allowed it. And he actively works to to maintain us and, and keep us going and thinking that uh, thinking that any other God, any other form of worship, any other any other thing that just draws our attention all the time. And that we pour ourselves into is that is going to somehow be long term rewarding. We're kidding ourselves, but and we do it all. We do it a lot. Well, I think some of this goes back to what we were reading last week in the first part of Hosea, where he's he's saying and 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 then before that we were reading it in Isaiah, where it's like I gave you all these good things. And then you got you got distracted by the good things and you thought you deserved them and you thought that you earned them because you were so awesome and you thought that they were yours, all yours, and now you're giving them away to whoever. Like um that's basically what we're what we're down to. Like you need to acknowledge God for the things that He gives you. It says, um, 
in verse six, it says, when I fed them, so this is when he's talking about back in the, in the wilderness. He says, when I fed them, they were satisfied. When they were satisfied, they became proud. Then they forgot me. Mm -hmm. Like that's it. We get these great gifts because we have a phenomenal God who made us, gives us the breath in our lungs, the salvation from this stupid situation that we found ourselves in with this fallen world, our own dumb behavior that just goes on and on and on. And he's still, he's still, even within this broken thing that we're living, he's still trying to give us all these good things. And we're like, yeah, look at all these good things. I must be awesome. Look what I look what I got. Look what I got. I don't need anything. Look what I have. Mm-hmm. It's like such such the epitome of the human condition. So yeah, so I had to go back and find it because it was King Manasseh and his son Amon that started the uh, offering of his his own children to Moloch. So yeah, that just goes on to show us just how far they've slid and they continue to slide. It's, you know, ups and downs throughout this and they just don't quite get it together. Yeah. But they're at another low, low spot and that's what the prophets are calling, calling them on. Mm -hmm. In, in, In a low spot when they probably thought they were great, you know, it's, it's been a successful, it's been a successful kingdom, at least as far as, you know, I suppose uh, monetary prosperity and and uh, military power. These are all things that have been that have been pointed out. You put all this stock into those things and thinking that that's what was protecting you and keeping you keeping you uh, safe and 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 strong. And but because because you got strong, because you got comfortable, you forgot that you needed me. You for this is you know you forgotten that you needed God. You've forgotten that he's the one who, who is the real is the real important one here. Now, here in the middle of the chapter, there's some imagery put out that could sort of put God in a in a bad light, where he starts talking about I'm going to be like a lion and a leopard and a bear, and I'm going to tear you open and I'm going to devour you. What did you think of that? What did you think of of uh, this imagery that God puts out of being an active? I don't know. I'm not even sure what word I want to use here. Um, Punisher. uh, (laughs) It's almost like it's it's almost could sound like this is that that spiteful smiting God uh, who is uh, I mean, it's rather violent imagery. What did you think of that? I think if we if we just parachuted into it in the middle. Without any context, we think, oh, that's just a pretty. That's a rough God who's just looking to punish people. When we take it into the context of what he's asking, like, no, turn around, turn around, stop what you're doing. I've, I'm, I've tried writing this down 10,000 times for you. I keep sending the prophets to you over all these things. He's saying, well, okay, if that doesn't work, maybe you're afraid of lions. You know, let's, <laughs> let's see if that'll turn you around. This is what I'm at at this point with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think it's one of those things where if we just take in one verse or something like this, or we take a metaphor, because he does not literally send them lions, right? Right. Um, they are, we have to look at this and say, well, what's he's, what's going on here? And he's trying to tell them, look, you've reaped the, the uh, you've sown the wind. When you reap the whirlwind, this is what it's going to look like. 
do you really want what's behind door number two? Yeah. I think that's what he's saying. He's like, look, you, you insist on this, but this is what it's going to look like. You keep See, saying I that. I think that's a great point that Eric just brought back, that they insist upon it. And if you go down to, you know, 10 and 11, he brings that back up. Yeah. You're the ones that went to the judges and wanted a king. Mm-hmm. And I told you not to. And you know what? I gave you a king and I was angry about it. And I had to use my wrath against him. Yeah. Yeah. It's just they do. I mean, I'm reminded of it's a silly thing. The old uh, movie Cars and the the guy Mater, you know, the little tow truck. And uh, he lets the protagonist race car go. And another car comes up and says, what did I tell you not to do? And Mater says, to not to. (laughs) (laughs) He just does the thing that he's that he knows he was told not to do and this is what israel is doing and god's saying i told you not to do it why did you do it yeah we did the thing you told us not to do (laughs) over and over and over and god is saying this is the result look at this what's going to happen to you is this you know you're going to get taken captive you're going to be torn up like a lion would tear you up you're going to is this what you really, really, really want? And I think we would have a different ending if it just ended in chapter 13, verse 8. Yeah. Tear them open, I'll devour them like a lion, um, as a wild beast. The end. But it doesn't. Right. It rolls right on to chapter 14, where the very first word is return. Mm-hmm. You know? Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God. He's given them all these warnings, but he's not just put a period at the end of your destruction. He's like, well, you're going to get destroyed. He says, return again, return. And in verse four, I would heal you. You know, and, and this is this is a really important distinction I want to bring up as we read the Bible. Don't care if it's New Testament or Old Testament. A lot of modern evangelical uh, Christianity is like, God's going to forgive you. He's just going to forgive you as a sinner. Yay, get to move on and you're, you're done. Mm-hmm. Look at how many times God says heal. Healing is a process that makes you better. Before we started the podcast, we were talking about some of the ailments and woes that both us have and, and, and friends and so on and how we work to get better. The point of healing is restoration. It's not merely, there's a difference. Forgiveness is like, yeah, I forgive you for, you know, driving into your lawn and, and uh, knocking down your porch. You know, it's like forgiveness leaves the porch broken, right? Healing and restoration puts it back. Not only is it a forgiveness, it, it restores. And that's what God is asking for. He, he wants, number one, them to return and repent. And then in verse four, I will heal their apostasy and love them freely. Kind of a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Return. Come back. You know, it's interesting. It's it's like the place that they've been turning to now is is their oppressor, uh, Assyria. There's been times when they've, if I'm not mistaken, they've called on Assyria. Hey, help us get us out of a jam. Uh, and now Assyria is stepping in and uh, yeah, we're going <laughs> to and we're going to help you out of the jam. All right. We're going to help you out of everything. And and the, the the chapter talks about how God will heal and he loves freely and he's going to sustain and he wants to strengthen. Eventually, Ephraim will reject these idols. 
And he says, the wise will understand and the prudent will know. For the ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but transgressors stumble in them. That's verse nine. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> that's a, I don't know. Would you call it a warning? Would you call it just a words of wisdom? The transgressors, the people, the people who insist on going their own way, get tripped up by the words of God. But the people who are wise are, and are trying to understand them. They're able to walk the path. They're able to continue going where they need to go and they don't get tripped up by it. And so that's, I mean, that's basically Hosea. Yeah, there, there is, there is correction coming. There is punishment coming. If you want to call it punishment, I guess it's a, a fitting word of sorts, but punishment for the sake of correction. But there is still always God there waiting with his arms open, wanting to give a hug, wanting to hold them, wanting to take them by the hand, walk with them, take them right where to, where they need to be. And it is an interesting way to look at things. Society, some of the popular society, some of modern society would view Old Testament God, even, I guess, modern-day Christians view Old Testament God as being angry and wanting and, and just being there to punish and squash and... And, um, you know, like then later Jesus comes along and changes everything and and uh, just floods us with love where we're seeing really that this has been God all along. God has wanted to correct. He has wanted to guide. He has wanted to strengthen us. But we've got to turn to him. We've got to go with him. We can't just turn our back and expect that 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 things are going to turn out well because it's just not the way it works out not at all right to your point matt you know this is well god was mad in the old testament and then came jesus and everything's nice (laughs) it's the old testament god is jesus i mean it's it says you know jesus says i'm the one that led you out of egypt you know and we forget that the jesus who shows up in the book of john full of love, and Matthew saying, hey, look, this is my kingdom, is also the Jesus who rides in on a, on a horse uh, with 10,000 angel warriors in Revelation 19, right? Yeah. And yeah. it's the same God, it's the same Jesus. This is, we, we really have to look at the whole picture, and Hosea, to me, says, God saying, look, I, I'm working so hard to restore you to me, not just to forgive you, to restore you and to change our relationship. That that mm-hmm. is, it's amazing that God would condescend to reach out to us who have done so many dumb things. I mean, back to the story of Hosea and Gomer is he's saying, it, you guys are Gomer. You're the ones who, uh, you know, I went and found you and set you up nicely. And then you ran away and did all the bad things, but I still want you back. That is an amazing picture of God. Yeah. As we read through the Old Testament, I've thought that same thing a few times, Eric, where it's like, no, this is Jesus. Like, this is the same Jesus from the beginning of the Bible to the end. And so if you think about what the Ten Commandments, especially the first couple, reveal about God's character, like 
He has the right to all of our allegiance. He is the reason that we exist. From our biology to our spirituality, he is the reason we exist. He's the reason we have a world to live in. He's the reason we have all of those things. And so is it any wonder he's jealous of our attention, right? So there's the commandment that says, you know, don't don't make, don't work, don't have any other gods before me. Don't make yourself an image of something that I created and then bow down, you know, bow down and worship it. Like, don't do that. I want to be number one in your priorities. And I always have to, I always have to remind myself, like, he is the perfect example of the balance of the full spectrum of human emotional experience. We have all of those things too. We have all of those feelings. We get demanding if we're in a relationship with someone, if we have children, like we're the, we're the reason that those children exist. Like we literally created those things with our body through the procreation process, right? Yes, you could take it a step higher and say God created them, but God created a procreative process that we got involved in. And if we hadn't done that and made that human, that human wouldn't exist. And then they're like, oh, hey, thanks. Thanks for everything, mom and dad. I'm just going to go squander this thing that you gave me. It's infuriating. It's infuriating, mm -hmm. right? And that is a tiny little version of what God goes through with each one of us. Yeah. I've always, and I just, I just find it, I just find it fascinating. He is entitled. He describes himself as a jealous God and he is entitled to that. Yeah. Yeah. You use the word infuriating. It's frustrating and it's also saddening. Yes. It, it's, it, 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 it just breaks your heart. It just breaks your heart to see a child squandering squandering things because it's like, Ooh, I like this. I like this shiny thing here right now that's in front of me. And the parent is going, but, 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 and the yeah, kids don't do like, that. That's a terrible idea. Yeah. And the kid's <laughs> like, don't care. I don't I care. Don't this. Care. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, of course the kids, their, their brains aren't developed yet and they don't understand. They don't understand that there is more than what's right in front of you right now. Fascinating. It's a fascinating. It's been interesting to see how even these minor prophets, you can see the entire gospel put out, even by the minor prophets, where God is putting himself out there to uh, to to help and to save and to bring us back, bring yeah. us back, even here in Hosea. All right. Well, I think that is going to wrap up our discussion this week. We will next week get back into the book of Isaiah. We've got a bit of Isaiah left. We're going to have a few weeks left there. But I think I think we're going to get in Isaiah. We're going to pretty well stay there. Uh, we'll have a little jaunt out of there. But we're going to pretty much stay in Isaiah for quite a while. Uh, so next week, Isaiah, we're going to be reading chapters, uh, I think, 28 through 32 looks pretty good to me. While you are waiting for that, remember you can reach out to us at attbpodcast at theadventure.org. Look for us on Facebook. Share the podcast with your friends and family and relatives and neighbors and uh, random people on the street and the people driving their cars by. And just let them know that uh, this is here for, for their listening <laughs> for their listening pleasure. And uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so we reach you in your feed every week. And we look forward to talking to you next time. Thanks for listening.